I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right. Hope everybody's doing well today. This is your Unimpressed podcast, and we have Dr. Andrew Jimerson on the podcast today. And I'm unimpressed that he hasn't done any work for me yet. So I want to welcome Doctor to the show. What's going on today, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. I appreciate being on your show. Well, we're glad to have you. And tell us a little bit what's going on in Johns Creek, Georgia. Starting to warm up a little bit. People are starting to get out, but it, you know the temperature is fluctuating between some days is freezing and some days is, is warm. So we don't really know what's going on. It's like weather's got his mind of his own. I ran through Atlanta a couple weeks ago, and when I would go through town, I always stop at Johnny Hideaways. Yeah, I'd rolled into Johnny Hideaways, and there wasn't much of a pandemic going on there when I was there. What's going on? People in Georgia, they have their own mind about things. I mean, I guess I thought we were shut down. I mean, but I guess in other parts of the country, we really weren't. I mean, because everything was still open. It's cool. I got out of New Jersey because I thought it was the Soviet Union, and I've been there 12 years. My driveway was 21 miles from Midtown. And when the pandemic hit, everybody's going crazy or whatever. And I asked my daughter, I said, hey, you, you want to get out of here? And she gave me the green light because we anticipated on staying. But the intensity of it there in New Jersey and New York compared to where we're at now in Charleston, South Carolina was like night and day. I can only imagine. I thought we were pretty locked down here, but everybody comes down here and they tell us we don't even know what lockdown is. You know, de Blasio told all the people in the city, I guess yesterday, he said, you're going to have to wear two masks until June, you know? So I was like, okay, I guess they're still on their deal up there, but that's here and are there. But I just, with what you do, and they call you Dr. Curves, and we introduced you as Dr. Andrew Jimerson. What are you doing being a plastic surgeon to maintain your business during this pandemic? When the pandemic first started, you know, the governor shut us all down. I mean, so we shut down for a couple months because there was a lot of PPE that needed to go to different hospitals. And so we didn't want to take the supplies that were necessary necessary for the people that were hospitalized. But now they've cranked that back up. And so we are back in business. And there's a plastic surgery boom now during the pandemic because there's a lot of people at home. So they're either fixing their house up or fixing their body up or taking this time to, you know, improve their body. And so because they're off or they're working from home, I guess it gives them the opportunity to do things that they you know, I've been putting off and one of them was plastic surgery. So we're seeing a lot of interest right now. They're very high demand for plastic surgery right now, believe it or not. What do we you see coming in the most? I see a lot of body work and breast work. You know, that's where my reputation is. Uh, you know, I do a lot of face stuff and other things. A lot of people want to come in and get that mommy makeover. They want to get their tummy done. They want to get their breast done. They want to get their butt done. I see a lot of your ratings here. You have a very good rating. What sets you apart from the rest of the field? Most people know me because I have a niche market in fat grafting to the butt. Like in 2006, there was only three of us really in the country doing this procedure. And so I have a lot of experience doing basically taking fat from areas of the body. where. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. People don't want it and putting it into the areas of body that enhance the areas that they do want it. That's what's made me unique. When I was coming in through plastic surgery, there wasn't a lot of people trying to create curves. To be honest with you, they wanted to take curves away, you know, and make people kind of this waif boyish figure. I don't really think that's the way I want to go. And so, you know, I really focus on creating curves. That's why people call me Dr. Curves. Where'd you go to school? Case Western Reserve School of Medicine. And then I trained at Ohio State for plastic surgery. Well, they have a big plastic surgery deal there in Ohio State? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a big program. Now, are you originally from the Atlanta area? I'm from Cleveland. You know, I came to Morehouse down here for college. I've fell in love with Atlanta. But then I went back up to Ohio to do my medical school and my training because that's where I'm from. And then came back down here with my wife and set up shop in Georgia. I got so sick and tired of all that snow. I just couldn't take it. Cleveland's cold. We manage several comedians and we have a couple tours and we'll do that run. We'll go Cincy, Columbus, Cleveland. Some great towns, but it is a little chilly up there in the wintertime. It's more than chilly. I mean, I just remember going out in my driveway and having to shovel 10 feet of snow, like, you know, just to get out and heat the cars up. You know, I was a boy, so I had to go melt all the cars and heat them up before everybody came out. So it, I think it scarred me. I was like, I don't want to do this when I grow up. Talking about your wife, how does she feel about you operating on, you know, women and things like that all the time? I mean, I've been doing it for so long. I don't think it bothers her. You know, naturally, it would probably initially, if you think about it, bother people. But, you know, she's seen the before and the after and she's like, OK, you're dealing with people's issues and you're and you're trying to make them better. So and when people come in, do you have to be a psychologist? Yeah, you have to definitely. I mean, you have to weed out people who are doing plastic surgery for the wrong reasons. You don't want to operate on someone who is seeking plastic surgery to make someone else happy or keep a marriage going. Then when that marriage doesn't go or they don't become happy, you know, or their situation doesn't change, then they're mad at you, you know. So you have to kind of sort through and make sure people are doing it for themselves. So those people that come in, you'll turn them away if not coming in for the right reasons? Absolutely. You're not going to make them happy. They're getting it for the wrong reasons. So you don't operate all those people. Now, have you had any instances where people came back after the surgery and said, hey, this don't look like it's supposed to look? Yeah, you get that once in a while. We, what we try to do, try to set people's expectations because you'll get someone that's, I don't know, like really overweight. And then they'll bring in a picture of someone that's like underweight. You know what I mean? 80 pounds. And they'll say, can you make me look like this? And then you're like, no, there's no way. I mean, I'm never, you're never going to look like that. That's not going to happen. But then after surgery, most people, they're fine because they realize, but some people still are, are like, I, thought, I wanted to look like this. And you're like, I already told you, you weren't going to look like that. So if you broke into the business with a certain type of technique, how has plastic surgery evolved based on that technique that sets you apart from the others compared to today? What is new in plastic surgery today that people may not know about? Like when I was in training, fat grafting to the butt wasn't really heard of. No one was doing it. We weren't getting trained on how to do it. And to be honest with you, there wasn't a lot of African-American plastic surgeons. I guess the mindset of the surgeons, they didn't see that as something that they were interested in doing or their, their patient population wasn't 
really interested in having that done. And then when I came through and a couple other guys, we sort of changed plastic surgery, if you will. We expanded it. A lot of African-Americans at the time weren't getting plastic surgery. I'm talking about before 2006. A lot of Latino Americans weren't getting it either because it was it really wasn't a procedure that they were interested in getting most facelifts and big breasts, stuff like that. If you wanted to know what technique I brought in to change it, it was fat graft. And I didn't create the technique, but I popularized it. Once people, you know, nationally, we showed it on some sh- on some like reality shows, stuff like that. And millions of people saw that this could be done. And I mean, that's when our office started to get flooded. And now if you look at plastic surgery, everybody's getting fat graft into the butt done. I mean, it doesn't matter what socioeconomic status you're in, what race, gender, is really transformed plastic surgery. Is Kim Kardashian's butt real? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to comment, but people like her, they look like, you know, someone that would have had. I mean, you probably get her picture all the time, I would bet. You know, when we first started, we got her picture. We got JLo's picture, Beyonce, stuff like that. Now we get a lot of Instagram models, you know, people on Instagram. You were on a reality show that kind of popularized what you were doing? T.I. and Tiny, Family Hustle. That was the first one. But we've been on like Love and Hip Hop, SWV, Real Housewives. We've been on a lot of them. Nice. How was T.I.? He's a pretty cool dude. <laughs> I didn't actually meet him, but I met some of the other people on there. They're really cool. I mean, everybody's good people, you know. How did the Dr. Curves come about? Did you, you know, patent that? Yeah, I actually did. Everybody asked me that. And I don't, I think a patient may have said it one time, or maybe we were just kind of juggling around because we were really just trying to figure out what our unique selling point was, like what really separated us, what was our mission. And we kind of tossed some names around. And I realized that I wanted to create curves. You know, I didn't want to create the flat body that looked like a boy. I wanted to create curves. I'm not talking about like overweight and anything like that. I'm talking about just nice curves. And that means breast curves, butt curves, and then even curves for guys. Like, so, you know, we do fat grafting the pec and the bicep, stuff like that. So, you know, we make men look stronger and those are curves for men. How much longer can you make that thing? <laughs> yeah. We make it bad, <laughs> bad, bad yeah. I don't know. It's a podcast. So, but yeah, we, um, <laughs> We can make it pretty thick. Have you ever heard the Prince uh, Prince Andrew or Prince Henry pearl thing? You ever heard of that? No. They, put, they, they surgically oh, implant oh, a yeah. pearl on the back part. I was yeah. like, that kind of blew my mind when I when I heard that. I don't want to say who it was, but if I told you who yeah. it was, you'd be like, wow, I understand why their kids are like they are. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff you can do. I mean, the, really, the lengthening procedures aren't great right now, but I mean, the, you know, we can make it thicker. But I mean, we can make it a little bit longer, but right now... I think the thickness is where we're kind of headed. And also that's, if you ask any women, that's the most important thing. I've heard that something massive, you know, could hurt somebody. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. (laughs) Do you consider yourself an artist? Yeah, I'm an artist. I, I, um, absolutely. You know, there's different types of plastic surgeons. I mean, you have your engineers and then you have your just pure artists. I'm probably in the middle, but definitely leaning towards the artistic side. You know, that separates people because your measurements and everything might line up, but you got to know when the art needs to kick in and you need to remove a little bit more, put a little bit more here. And that's just an innate ability. What about this anti-aging? I talked to Dr. Aubrey Gray, Mm -hmm. who's a biomedical guy on aging and you know, he uses stem cells and things like yeah. that. If you could help yourself internally, Mm -hmm. right. We'll say stem cells in your aging process and then foods, and then you have what you do. What sets your anti-aging deal apart? There's a lot of stem cells in fat. So what plastic surgeons are realizing is when we like inject fat underneath the skin, especially in the face, 
it rejuvenates that skin. It, it shrinks the pores and it just makes the skin overall look better. It takes away discoloration. Uh, also, when we take your blood, spin it down into what is called PRP, then we can put that on your face and also in your hair and it can rejuvenate your skin, your hair, everything. And so using those techniques, that helps with anti-aging. I mean, tremendously, you know, so we have different techniques where we'll put this PRP on your face, we can inject it into your scalp and that helps your hair grow. You know, my whole thing is fat grafting and just grafts and using your own cells to rejuvenate or regenerate other parts of your body. So that's really key to what I do. Is there a fine line of legality with that? So the FDA doesn't allow you to create a medicine, essentially. So there's fine lines between using stem cells and how you use it and when you use it. And, you know, if you're adding something to it and there's all kinds of regulations to make sure that, you know, you have to follow within the guidelines. Do you see this evolving? Absolutely. I mean, once the reins are taken off, because, you know, some of it's money, people can't make money off of, uh, if we're pulling stem cells off and, and injecting your face versus like you buying something at the store. So there's all kinds of regulations and stuff. Some of it's financially motivated. I mean, like we even inject fat into the breast. Think about how that might affect breast augmentations and breast implant markets. So I think as more research gets done and, and more people do it and it becomes more mainstream, then I think is going to change plastic surgery and what people do for the future. Well, this is something I always notice, right? I lived in LA for five years. If I'm in the South, Atlanta, Miami, wherever, you don't notice as much, but when you go to LA, you notice people's faces if they've had plastic surgery, right? And it seems like it's over the top or it's too much and they were probably look better before they had this done. Why do you think that's, is that, you think that's noticeable, more noticeable in that part of the country compared to the East Coast? Or is that just my craziness? You know what? I think, honestly, just the, I, I think, I don't think it's necessarily more noticeable. I, I think more people probably get it done out there. So it's more noticeable. But, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And so I, you know, I don't like how overdone faces look. Um, some people might say that my butts look overdone. You know what I mean? So every, I think um, I think really it depends on your crowd of people and, you know, what, what people think looks good. And, you know, some people, I think they get their lips too big and too, you know, and I can just see it or their breasts are just way too big or their butts are way too big. You know, I try to do something that I consider to be natural, but still noticeable, you know. Um, but for some people... It might be too small and some people might be too big. So after somebody has surgery, do you recommend a certain diet to help healing or, or whatever? You know, I recommend that people get to a certain you know, weight before surgery. And then after surgery, definitely, you know, just a well-balanced diet, really, you know, lay off the carbs because that's really what's going to make people gain weight is the car extra carbs. What is dermal filler? Dermal filler is like Juvederm. So that's where like to fill in the fine lines and wrinkles, like your nasolabial folds, these areas here, your laugh lines, um, and try to smooth those out. You know, we do that for the face and sometimes people will do it to enhance their lips. So that's what we were just talking about. When you yeah. say that people look overdone is because they're putting that dermal filler in there and they're putting a lot. Is this something people do every two weeks, every month? That kind of stuff doesn't last as long than say a uh, normal plastic surgery per se. Yeah, usually about every six months, you got to get it done again. So uh, yeah, because those things dissolve after time. And so usually we tell people, you know, after about six months, it's going to dissolve and you need to get it done again. How many times can you have that done without it causing a, a problem? You can have it done as many times as you want because it dissolves away as hyaluronic acid is found normally in our body. And so those fillers will dissolve. Now, there are other fillers that won't dissolve 
you know, they're called permanent fillers and they're mostly like calcium based products or artifil or something like that. So, so there are some permanent fillers, but I always say that it's hard to really put a permanent filler in because the tissues around that filler don't sit there permanently. And so then you'll have this permanent filler in, but then the t- then everything else is not permanent, it's falling down uh, around it. So, you know, we usually stick with the non-permanent stuff. And then wherever we can put fat, we'll put fat. I like to use people's own tissue. I've heard a lot of people use different artificial things. So I think the natural way is definitely the way to go. Do you ever have anybody reject anything that you've ever tried to use on somebody? I mean, sometimes you can get a rejection. So like, especially the permanent fillers, you want to make sure that you do a test spot to see if, uh, and that's why we don't really use them, but you can do a test spot to see if they're going to have a reaction to it. For the most part, people don't reject it because like I said, it's, it's a natural substance that we find in our body. Now, like for instance, Botox, I mean, you don't reject that either, but that's a, also something that people get and people think that they look overdone sometimes because their forehead isn't moving. But, you know, you can put as much or as little in as you want. I think not having a completely frozen look, a lot of people come in and say, I don't want it to be completely frozen. I still want some movement up there. But yet they don't get the the huge furrows and stuff, you know. And so it's even good for guys because it keeps you looking younger for a lot longer. What does the doctor do on his spare time? I mean, I like to hang out with my kids. They swim. So I, I like to go watch them swim. And I like to travel. I haven't been able to travel much, you know, lately, but... I love traveling, trying to pick up new hobbies. You know, the thing is, before med school, I had a whole lot of hobbies. But then once we become doctors and, you know, go to medical school and all the training, we pretty much lose, you know, really all of our hobbies. And so now I'm starting to try to find out what I really like again, you know? I mean, I used to play the piano. I don't really play that anymore. I like playing video games, although, you know, and then uh, I want to just do more traveling. Now, I know a plastic surgeon, Dr. Burley. You know, he's got a mansion his wife lives in. Mm-hmm. You know, his ex-wife lives in. Yeah. And he's got another mansion he lives in. Yeah. Usually plastic surgeons do pretty well. Do you have one of these 20,000 square foot homes in ATL? <laughs> balling, you balling over there? No, I mean, but, you know, I work hard. But I also, you know, my wife's a doctor, too. Now, she doesn't work currently. We save our money. You know, we, we, we're not... For practical people. I don't have like 15 million cars and different garages and all that stuff. Well, you you act like you enjoy what you do. You seem very, very humble. But like I said, I know plastic surgeons do really, really well. So I just thought I'd I'd throw that out there. We're not hurting. You know, I've been, God has blessed me. God has blessed my practice. I've never approached anything because of money. I mean, that's the whole thing. Like I'm always someone that feels like if you love what you do, then Money will come. And I love what I do. And because of that, I think people come and and then I can pay myself and I can pay other people. So I think that's what it is. It's all about passion. And that's what I try to tell even my kids, like, don't pick something that you're not passionate about because you'll hate going to work. You'll hate doing it every day. Yeah. I mean, if you enjoy what you do, you never work a day in your life, right? Exactly. And how many patients do you see during a day's time? Now with the pandemic, we do a lot of phone telemedicine type stuff, you know, to see the patients both before and after surgery. You know, I usually do about two cases a day, two or three cases a day. When you actually do the physical surgery during the pandemic, is there any special precautions they take? Because, you know, I was talking about how New Jersey was, you know, pretty much locked down, locked down like the Soviet right. Union before I left up there. Right. You know, I couldn't even get in to see my doctor to get a physical. What are the precautions they're taking? 
I mean, you have to have a COVID test or a COVID vaccine card before you can come into the office. And then your family members can't come in with you. We only, only the patients can come in and see us. And then we have to take their temperature and ask them questions and we have to, they have to wash their hands and, you know, follow all the CDC guidelines before surgery, because we're going to be, you know, putting a tube down their throat. We want to make sure that they don't have any COVID. So the day before their procedure, we make sure that they have a COVID test and that is negative. And if it's positive, then we have to cancel them, which is unfortunate because a lot of our patients fly from, you know, everywhere, all of, you know, all over the world. Where's your farthest patient come from? Probably Japan. I don't know which one's closer, Japan or Dubai or Africa, but I mean, we get them from all over the world. Did they give you the vaccine being a plastic surgeon or what's yeah, the deal with that? Yeah, all healthcare workers, I mean, it was available to us through the hospital. So I definitely got it because we see a lot of patients and, um, you know, we have to go to the hospital. So my staff and I, we were allowed to get the vaccine, which was nice. How you been doing with it? You been good? Yeah. I mean, the first time I got it, my arm hurt a little bit. The second time I got it, I was in pain for about a week. My, yeah. uh, I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it was the vaccine or not, but um, after that, it was fine. You know, I mean, nothing major, just a myalgia, like I said, but I'm happy I got it. I feel relieved, especially with this new strain that's out. When this thing first came out, what did you think about your business then, like the first week when this thing really hit home? Oh, I thought I was going bankrupt, man. I mean, because I, the thing is, I mean, everything was shutting down. My staff was scared, you know. I mean, we had to, I had to let everybody go. We weren't operating. I tried to keep people as long as I could. There was just uncertainty, you know, didn't know what was going on. And it's scary when you have a business and you have a lot of people depending on you. And I was scared for my employees. I didn't know what was going to happen to them. You know, they all have mortgages and kids and stuff like that. And I have kids and mortgages and I, I you know, it was, it was pretty rough. But how many employees do you have? I mean, I had about 50. Now I think I have about 15 or six, about 18. Wow. You run a big operation over there, huh? Well, yeah, we had a recovery center and spa and all this stuff. So I haven't opened up everything yet. You know, but I'll say this is giving me a chance to regroup, restructure. So I am taking advantage of the opportunity that that has also been presented. It's like a second start. It's like going back to like you went to college and now you get to go do high school again. How would you do it differently? You know, yeah. you already know all, all the answers and, and you've been through it. So, so I am grateful or taking the opportunity to refine things. If somebody out there in today's time wants to be a plastic surgeon for some young adult, you know, what would you say the first step would be? Is it built in passion would have to be there first? And then what's your step? Plastic surgery is very, very hard. The first thing you have to do is figure out if you want to be a surgeon. You know, so like I, I wasn't going to be a plastic surgeon when I first started medical school. So the biggest step is you got to figure out, do I want to just take care of patients or do I, do I have to be in the operating room? If you have to be in the operating room, then at that point, am I creative? I mean, are you, is your day to day like, do you draw? Do you so what I mean, like what kind of are you a creative person? And if you are, then you really should look at something like plastic surgery, because then you're kind of meshing your passion of creating stuff. Like I'm an inventor. I like to create things. And so if you like to create things and you like before and after, then they should pursue, you know, they should really pursue that career in plastic surgery. Well, I love that take. I appreciate you coming on the show and appreciate the time. Dr. Andrew Jimerson, Dr. Curves. If you need something done, go see Dr. Curves in ATL. That's right. (laughs) I mean, if they want to find me, they can find me at Dr. Curves on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Or uh, my website, type in drcurvs.com.
Dr. Curves, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you coming on. And I'm John Edmonds Cosma, the CEO of Bang Productions. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.